0: Jeremy, I'm putting this over here. Don't break it. Hey, um, thank you, Krista. I did not know that you were a twin for a second. I thought you were your sister. I'm like, how'd that happen? Daylight savings, guys. I'm off. It's throwing me off. Hey, uh, so glad to be with you. I've heard a ton about your congregation, uh, one from just working at 12 South and um, and being on that side of town, you know. Uh but also, uh Matt Avery, and I are really good friends. I don't know if he would agree, uh, but I've known Matt for many years. We were in seminary together, and um we had preaching classes. He would take his shirt off while I was preaching to try to throw me off, and uh I was going to repay the favor, but he's not here today, so um, but so glad to be with you, glad that um we can uh kind of kind of be together. It's a joy. Uh, it's a joy to hear about all that is going on over here and uh, all that God is uh, God is doing. is uh, It's wonderful and so thankful. So if you will uh, pray with me, and we'll get started. Our great and gracious Heavenly King, it is um, what a delight, uh, what a joy it is to be in your house. Uh, what a delight and a joy it is to hear uh, voices singing, uh, joining with the heavenly chorus even now as we. Uh, open up your word, uh, the joy that is taking place uh, over there, um, that uh, the scripture we're about to read tells us uh, that we'll soon experience that, uh, that we'll know uh, what it's like to be with Jesus, uh, that we'll be with him, uh, that death does not win, and that uh, Christ is victorious. And so as we contemplate that, uh, as we try to figure out what that even means, uh, Lord, I ask that you would give us grace and mercy. Uh, Send your Holy Spirit uh, to to move in our hearts, uh, to revive us, uh, to bring us relief from all the sadness uh, and, all the, and all the pain and heartache we feel uh, just in our everyday uh, existence, uh, but we also ask that the Holy Spirit would revive us uh, and not just simply relieve us, and so as we enter into this time, Lord be with us, uh, forgive the sins of the messenger for their many, uh, it's in your name we pray, amen. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought you were going to die. Or if you've ever been in like a position where you're like, hey, I, I, this might be it for me. Uh, I don't mean like the if I don't get asked to homecoming, I'm gonna die, die. But like the real, I, I'm about to, I'm about to die. Uh, we were, I was with some friends out on Percy Priest, <laughs> which just getting in that water might, <laughs> might kill you. Uh, but I was out with some friends on Percy Priest, and we had a pontoon boat, which is about my speed, and uh, and we were out on the like the part um, where there's like all these cliffs. If you're going like toward Mount Julia on that road, um, there's all these cliffs that people jump off of. And so we were there, we were there jumping and as we were jumping, the sky started to get really dark and I was like, oh, (laughs) none of us, there were 12 of us there. None of us checked the weather and, uh, the sky gets super dark and we like hop in the boat and like pull out our phones and look at the radar and, and y'all, it's, it's bad. Um, And we're sitting there like, hey, we can just beat this, right? Pontoons pontoons are notoriously fast. And so we're going to... Just kind of book it and try to get to the dock before the rain comes like we don't we're not captains we don't know what we're doing and so um, we we start taking off and then it's the most rain I, I think I've been in as an adult like it's the most rain that I remember not in Hurricane Hugo in 1992 like it's the most rain that I ever remember and and that's kind of fine we're just sort of making our way through it my friend Luke is at the front of the boat and he's sort of like taunting the storm um, and then lightning starts striking. And all this thunder starts clapping, and I'm hiding in the back under a beach towel as if that will do anything. And, I, like, we looked at each other. My friend Zach, who was driving, just sort of takes his hands off the steering wheel. He's like, I don't know what to do. And we're just sort of looking at each other thinking, like, this is it. Um, this, is how, like, this is how we're going to go out on a pontoon boat on Percy Priest. Not like the Little Big Town song. This is not, this is not like that. And uh, and we started like having conversations about it. It was weird. It was like, hey, I love you, man. Like we're like professing our love for each other. And, and having these conversations about like, hey, if we make it through this, I'm going to be different. Like I'm going to be a better dad. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a better husband to my wife. Making all these absurd claims. Um, when we get to this, this part of Thessalonians, um, Paul has spent the entire first bit of the book and what we call the indicative, he's telling us what's true about us—that um, we're bought with a price, uh, that Jesus loves us, that He has us here for a reason. Uh, the Thessalonian church—they were being, like, really, really persecuted uh, because Paul had come in, started preaching at the synagogues, and folks were being converted all the time, and uh, that was bad for business. And uh, and as these guys are are being converted. Uh, the Jews are getting angry because uh, they're sort of raising a stink and they don't want like a mess to happen um, And so they start sort of persecuting all these uh, new believers uh, It gets so bad that Paul leaves town, he's only there for three weeks, he plants the church and then he bounces Sort of like Avery did with spring break today uh, Plants the church and then he bounces and, um, and he sends Timothy there to say like, hey, go check on them And um, and so this whole first half in this letter that he wrote to them is him just saying how important they are to him, how much he loves them, uh, what a joy it is to be with them. And then, as we saw last week, uh, the book sort of takes a turn toward what we call the imperative, uh, where Paul starts giving them some things to do. And, uh, and then we get to this passage, which seems strange, um, but the Thessalonian church, uh, what's important to know about them, they were sort of obsessed with death, um, because as Paul was writing this, he wrote this letter, it's probably around like 47-ish AD. Um, Jesus died in like 33-ish AD, and so it's only been like 14 or 15 years uh, since Jesus died, and they're like, hey, is he going to come back? Like, he made us a promise. Uh, you told us, Paul, that this is a thing that's going to happen. Um, and if he comes back, what about like all the people that are dying between now and then? Uh, because 15 years really, like in the grand scheme of things, is not that long ago. That's what what 2006 ish I guess I'm not, I'm not great at math 14 years um, what year is it 2021 15 years 20, 2006 I'm sticking with it guys um, like that wasn't that long ago you could probably remember where you were in 2006 I think Steve Irwin died in 2006 was super sad um, but imagine being like a Thessalonian new convert hearing that Jesus is going to return and pull us uh, and pull us out. Um, and and this new heaven and this new earth are going to come down, and you're worried about your friends. Um, What about them? Like, my grandma died. Is she going to be there? And so he comes and says, I want you to be informed about what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. Uh, This is a big moment uh, in Scripture and a big moment really in the life of the Thessalonians uh, because what Paul is saying to his friends, he's writing to his friends here to comfort them, Because he wants them to know the resurrected Jesus has not forgotten about them. He's not forgotten about them, and he's certainly not forgotten about those who have died um, awaiting his return. And so he wants them to be informed of this, that that Jesus will not only gather the living when he comes back, but he's actually going to come back to gather the living and the dead. And this would have been a great comfort to them and it should serve as a great comfort to us uh, because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That's crazy to think about. Imagine being one of the disciples, right? Jesus dies. They're scared. Jesus comes back. He's in the, he's in the room with them. He like walks through the wall or whatever. Thomas is sticking his hand in his side, which is also a weird piece of scripture. Um, I'm like, don't you know about coronavirus, Thomas? And so uh, imagine being one of the disciples that saw Jesus die and now he's raised from the dead and that's crazy but Paul is saying just as Jesus rose from the dead like your grandma Mabel she's gonna rise from the dead that friend you had in childhood they're gonna rise from the dead maybe even your own parents they're gonna rise from the dead if they've trusted in Jesus, they're going to have a resurrected body. And here's the thing, you're going to have one too. And this is a crazy thing in Scripture to think about. Uh, because death, death is undefeated, right? Except for Jesus. Death is almost undefeated. Um, everyone who lives dies. Um, it's, it's the thing you can count on, right? Death and taxes. Like, all of us are going to die. Um, and Paul is saying, yes, that's true, but if you trust in Jesus, you're going to rise again. So we're going to look at three things in this passage. We're going to look at the grief of death. We're going to look at the gain of dying, and then the gathering of the saints. Grief, gain, and gathering. Uh, so let's dive in and look at this important passage starting in verse 12. If we can get that back um, up, on the, up on the wall. It's going to say up on the screen, granny white, spend the money. Uh, Paul, Paul writes here uh, in verse 12 that he wants his friends to know uh, one very important thing. It's okay to hate death. It's okay to hate it. Um, look what he says in verse 12. If I can get there. I'm lying. Verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. Paul is saying death is real, and death sucks, and death is hard, and it's okay that you hate it. Um, as we sit here at 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon, it's okay to hate death, and it's okay to grieve. Um, it's always kind of weird for those people who are like a little too obsessed with death, like my wife watches those weird shows about people disappearing on TV, and she's like, how crazy is this? I'm like, turn it off. We have a child in the house. Um, it's always, it's weird to be around somebody who's like a little too obsessed with death. I was When I was a Young Life leader, I, I was a Young Life leader for about 20 years. And um, in the lunchroom, I was at a school in Gatlinburg, East Tennessee, weird enough. Um, and there was this kid named Anthony who played Magic the Gathering, but he just played by himself, and I didn't even know if that was possible. Um, but he had all these cards and I like, went up to him one day, I was like, I'm going I'm to talk to him today. Uh, so I went up to Anthony, I was like, hey man, I'm Daryl, I've seen you around, I uh, want to introduce myself, like, what are you up to? And he's like, well, I'm looking at my cards. I was like, that's cool, what does that wizard do? Like, that's what you do when you're a young athlete or you try to pretend that you're interested in what kids are interested in. Um, and, and he was like, he said something that didn't make sense. And then um, I was like, what else is going on? He's like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about how everybody in here is going to die, and I was like, like you're thinking about it, and that everyone's gonna die, and he's like, "No, like how they're gonna die," and I was like, "Are you gonna be responsible for, for that?" Um, I'm, I, and I left. I never talked to him again. <laughs> Look, every kid everywhere. That's not nope. Um, I was like, "It's great meeting you, man." Look, Paul loves his friends. Uh, he loves his Thessalonian church here, and um, and there, much like it is now. There's this huge misunderstanding around exactly what it what happens once folks die. Um, Especially for the Thessalonians there in the Greco-Roman world. Uh, The Greco-Roman world was obsessed with the soul uh, but the body they didn't really care about. Uh, It's actually Christianity that comes in and sort of changes that thinking really for the rest of the world uh, that says your soul is important but your body is also very important. it's why Jesus maintained a body when he was resurrected. He's not just a spirit, right? He's a body. He's a person. And so uh, that, that shows that it's very important that God cares about your body. And he cares about your soul. And Christianity comes into the Greco-Roman world and says, don't just discard the body. We're not just like entombed souls waiting to get out. Uh, we're actually complete. And so Paul is saying uh, Thessalonian church we have to think about how we think about death, uh, and we have to think about it rightly. And that it's okay to grieve those who have passed on. It's okay to even grieve the fact that you might die. That's, like, that's probably normal. Um, I was reminded of a story about a lady named Kara Tippett. You may know about her. Um, but she was like a young mom, she's in her 30s, and she was stricken with cancer. And she, uh, she was a pastor's wife. And she blogged the whole thing. And um, kind of wrote it all down. It's called Mundane Faithfulness. And she wrote down like her death experience. And, um, and here's what she wrote the day that a hospital bed showed up. She said this. When I can find it. It was the, it was the day her hospital sh- uh, bed had shown up. Kara writes this. The hospital bed arrived today. Uh, we knew it was coming. But we have not been looking forward to this change. Well, I really haven't been looking forward to it. I think my husband may sleep better without me up and down throughout the evening, but there will be no more rubbing feet in the night, uh, no more stealing pillows from my husband. I won't be rolling into his warm spot as he gets out of bed to make coffee. Tonight, my husband and I will sleep beside one another, but separate. We will speak sweetly to each other, we'll share tears about what's happening, and we'll start our long goodbye." Our long goodbye is not getting so long anymore. I can't understand why I'm not sleeping in my wedding bed. I hurt, and I understand what this greater pain I'm experiencing means. I feel way too young to be in this, but maybe I'm not in this battle at all. Maybe I'm just on a journey, and the journey is more beautiful than any of us can comprehend, and if we did understand, we would hold very loosely to one another because soon I'm going to be with Jesus." The grieving of death is right and it's good. Uh, The grief and the sadness that overcomes us at the death of someone we love is an invitation into the heart of Jesus. Remember how Jesus is described in Scripture? He's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. If anybody understands grief, it's Jesus. So our own grief is this invitation uh, to follow it into the heart and the person Of Jesus that grieving is something done over it's something you do over something that matters to you like we don't grieve about things we don't care about that's why I didn't grieve about Oprah's royal wedding family crap that was on tv the other day because I don't care about Great Britain haven't cared about it since 1776 it doesn't matter but Paul is saying we grieve over the things that we care about grief over death brings us face-to-face with a fundamental truth about God and the universe that is broken remember Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus uh, his friend has just died um, he goes up there's all this commotion Mary and Martha are mad at him for not getting there sooner the disciples are asking him all these questions uh, these folks in the town are, are sad and being weird and Jesus shows up and he starts crying and it says that he was overcome that he was deeply moved in spirit and he wept y'all as Charles Spurgeon says a Jesus that doesn't weep is a Jesus that can't wipe your tears a Jesus that doesn't weep a Jesus that doesn't understand grief is a Jesus you don't want to be a part of but he looks at his friend Lazarus and at the scene around and he starts crying um, and it's it's not like it, it is sad tears he was sad but he was angry he was deeply troubled in spirit. I uh, mean, like, he was like retching. Um, he was so upset and angry at what death had wrought in the lives of those he loves. And Paul is here comforting his friends to say there are two ways to grieve. One's going to lead to anger and bitterness, and the other's going to lead to Jesus. Um, the other leads to hope. We grieve, yet we grieve with hope. But what is this hope? Uh, what is this hope that Paul keeps talking about is that Jesus Christ has not forgotten you uh, that Jesus Christ has not forgotten those who died that Jesus Christ is actually with you in that grief uh, he walks into it he walks into your sorrow he walks into your shame he walks into your sadness and he sets up a picnic and he says let's talk about this and just like Christ raised Lazarus from the dead and just as he rose uh, himself from the dead on that Easter morning there's a day coming, and it might be 10 minutes from now or 10 days from now or 10 millennia from now, but there's a day coming when those who have trusted Jesus and rested in him for salvation will be reunited and reanimated and will rise again just like Christ. And if you think that's the craziest thing you've heard in a long time, that's, that's yes, yes. It's crazy to think about this. Grieving death and resurrection hope, however, lead us uh, into our second point, which talks about the gain of dying. If we look at verse 15, uh, not only will the dead rise again, they'll actually be called up to meet with Jesus before those who are living will be called up to meet with Jesus. This scene is, the, is so weird. Um, There's, there's going to be this day coming that there's going to be a trumpet sound. Jesus, that's, Paul, that sounds a little crazy. What are you smoking over there, Paul? Um, that all these bodies are going to spring up from the ground. Like, am I going to get hit by them? Or are they going to be flying around? It's like Quidditch. Like, am I stuck in the middle of this game? And, and Paul is saying here that those who have died are going to be raised up first at the return of Jesus. Um, this is so wildly countercultural uh, because what this means is that death is actually like a victory in the Christian life. We see this all over the place in Scripture that precious in the sight of the Lord are those saints who have died. Uh, that Jesus somehow, like, that when death happens, a reward is given. Uh, they say your rest is won. You've run a race. Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, that there's something about death in the eyes of Jesus um, that's so different uh, than our own culture, uh, because we're obsessed with like keeping death away. Uh, we don't want to be like around it. We want to stave it off as long as possible. We want to avoid it altogether. I'll use an I statement here if you're familiar with small groups. I don't like this idea. Um, I, I told McKinsey I want to put in a living will that I want to be sniped in the head when I'm 82. Like, I don't want to see it coming uh, because I don't want to, like, experience dying. Like, I'm not afraid of death. I know it's going to happen. Like, I trust Jesus for that. I just don't want to feel it, um, which doesn't work, I guess. Um, she told me she wouldn't do that. Um, so we're, we're in counseling. It's fine. Um, paleo diets, keto diets, Whole30, beauty counter, all of these things that we use uh, to really try to hide, like, what's happening to us. Uh, if your beauty counter is, like, good, right? Like, that's what you're supposed to use. That's a big line out of my budget. Is this? this isn't therapy, Daryl. Keep going, keep going. Uh, we, move into, we move into death really fearful and that's probably a little bit normal Um, but when we when we view it as something that we try to avoid altogether jesus is saying it's actually good for you paul is saying this right when he writes to live is christ and to die is gain and death is the last great enemy paul says that too Um, it's the last one that puts an axe blade into the tree Uh, it's something that we all are going to face uh, but there's a way to approach it um, that Paul is saying actually brings glory to the Lord. Uh, I'm friends with a guy named Dave Cop. He's in his like, late 70s. And Dave has been through it. Uh, he was in Vietnam. He went twice. He did two tours there. Uh, he was exposed to uh, chemicals to Agent Orange. Um, it sort of made it really hard like, for them to have kids because his body was just poisoned for so long and uh, Davis had cancer four times, and he's beat it four times, and um, in his last round of of cancer treatment, he was at the hospital, or at the cancer ward, rather, and uh, every morning, he would just pray by himself, and then by the end of all his treatments, he did eight weeks of treatment, he would have the whole floor praying together, um, because they just... They were like, we love that you do this and we want to be a part of this. And he was like leading nurses to the Lord, uh, leading other cancer patients to the Lord. He goes to Walmart um, at Old Hickory and Nolensville Road and um, and ministers to refugees that, that are there. He just walks around and looks for them and like goes up and talks to them. Um, and Dave is like, he's all confident, but he also jokes about how he's going to die soon because I'd be like, how you doing, Dave? And he's like, I got, you know, got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel and he would laugh so hard. Um, and I'd be like, oh that's cool and then I see him again how you doing Dave he's like well I'm on the right side of the dirt and I was like Dave you seem to like make jokes about death a lot (laughs) and he was like yes I do um I was like is that something you think about and he said Darrell I think about death as much as you think about sex and I thought well you seem to think about death a lot Dave (laughs) um he wasn't afraid of it Dave understood because Dave loved Jesus Dave loves Jesus so much. And that death that's coming for him, that he could greet it. Even reluctantly, he doesn't want to, but he understands this is how I'm going to meet Jesus. Uh, That he would find in Jesus what I hope that we would all find. That if I never see you again. um, That we would find the grace to die well. Um, That there is a grace that comes from Jesus in dying well. Um, think of those verses, precious in the sight of the Lord or the death of his saints. Um, that there's comfort there, that God looks at it and he's not, he's not, he's not mad about it, right? It's precious, uh, that you're so precious to God that, that he brings you home. Um, think about Jesus and walking willingly into his own death. Uh, Paul being martyred, the disciples being martyred. Um, countless missionaries my favorite missionary story uh, is this guy named John Patton who was sent as a missionary to what is now Vanuatu they shot a survivor season there Um, and he went down this is in like the 1800s and he was there twice and he got kicked out of the island twice so he came back and uh, both of his wives he had one wife when he went she died he married again went back she died um, and so he comes back, and he's talking to his church, um, and he's like, hey, I want to go back to the New Hebrides. Uh, there's work that needs to be done there, and the church kind of has to vote. They're paying to send them, right, so they sort of have to vote for all this, and as they're uh, as they're contemplating, an elder by the name of Mr. Dixon stood up and responded, um, hey, John, uh, upon hearing the news that you want to return to the islands, I must remind you uh, that those people are cannibals they're cannibals John he said John they're cannibals you'll be eaten by cannibals if we send you here and John responded this way Mr. Dixon you're advanced in your years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave and there you'll be eaten by worms hey old man you're about to be worm food But I confess to you, Mr. Dixon, that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in that great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. We must understand that death is what delivers us to Jesus. That as Christians to die is gain. The worst case scenario for us is that we live, uh, that to die is gain. And Paul is writing to his Thessalonians here as a great comfort, because there's a great comfort offered in knowing that those who have won their rest, those who have tasted death, will be the first to greet Jesus at his return. That they're there with him, that their, their bodies are here, yes, their souls are joined with Jesus, And at the reuniting of those things, they're coming in that parade that Jesus is leading. And then we go up. Um, That those who have fought the good fight will be with Jesus as he returns. Uh, Which brings us to our last point, the gathering of the saints. And while Paul spends a large portion uh, of his letter here discussing the dead, he also says that there's a plan for those who are living. That the believers who are breathing will, will meet Jesus as well. And consider what Paul is saying here. There's going to be this shout from heaven. There's going to be a trumpet blast, uh, dead bodies reanimated, uh, that we're going to be called up into the clouds, uh, that he's going to gather us there. He's going to bring heaven to earth. You can read all about this in, in, Re- in the latter part of Revelation. Uh, Paul is painting a portrait of Jesus returning with and for his people. And that is the hope... Of every human heart y'all heaven is heavenly because Jesus is there heaven is heavenly because Jesus is there sure there's no pain right there's no suffering there's no traffic but it doesn't that's not what makes heaven great what makes heaven great is that Jesus is there Uh, that's what our souls long for Uh, Remember the great promise of scripture, the promise that overarches everything that's written in the book, that God will dwell with his people again, that he will be our God, and that we would be his people. Every hope, every promise, every tear that we've shed, every lost loved one, every dead dream, every broken heart, every divorce, every abuse... Every sin that's been perpetrated against us and every sin that we've perpetrated against anyone else finds its death here. Death finds its own death in the person and the work of Jesus. The death of death occurs in the death of Christ, and the grinding of the heel on the head of the serpent takes place at this moment when Jesus calls all of his children to himself. And every human heart that's placed its trust in Jesus, Paul says, will be there with him. They'll never have to know again what it's like to be separated physically from Jesus. He's already bought that for us spiritually, right? He's already done that for us on the cross. We'll never be forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken so that we never would be. And Paul is saying here, this is Jesus cashing in the second half of that promise, Uh, That you're going to be with him in bodily form. And then Paul gives us this charge to encourage one another with these words. And what is that encouragement? What is that encouragement that we should give? Why should this give us hope? Because it isn't just that we won't know the pain of death, it's not that we won't know the pain of separation. It's that Jesus is there and that we'll look him in the face. And he'll take his nail-scarred hands and hold our own face and wipe the tears from our eyes, Scripture says. And that's not allegorical, that's real. That Jesus is going to come and he's going to put his hand on your shoulder and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. All those things that you said no to on earth, you can say yes to here. All the times, all the suffering, it's gone. You're here, and I'm here with you. That's what makes heaven heavenly the great lover of our souls is there and so before we close let me tell you how he is not going to greet you Uh, he's not going to greet you in shame he's not going to greet you with a hammer behind his back whenever like the church culture that i grew up in when it talked about this this was a day you didn't want to happen because it's like "Uh uh-oh looked at porn today I i hope jesus doesn't come back while i'm doing this like, it was always, like, this threat. Like, have you ever seen the movie Joe Dirt? Is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? Like, that was always what this was used for. Uh, that, um, that, you had to, that you had to live your life thinking that if Jesus catches me doing this, that he's going to be mad at me. And you don't want him to come back. You better get it right. Get right or get left. That's what my Baptist preacher used to say all the time that's a pretty funny pun, but it's wrong. Um, Jesus doesn't greet you in shame. He doesn't greet us with a hammer behind his back. He's not greeting you with the laundry list of all the dumb things that you were doing when you should have been memorizing the Ten Commandments, or when uh, or when you were celebrating Halloween when you shouldn't have been. Like he's not going to come back and greet us in that way. He's going to greet us with. Uh, this hug and this holy kiss he greets us with his nail scarred hands he greets us with a party he, thro- he he tells us enter into his rest and he greets you with an invitation to explore him and his creation forever paul says encourage one another with this midtown west you want to know how to quadruple the size of this room not literally we're not we're not construction workers but with people right tell them this look there's a, there's a world of folks on the west side who need to hear this that Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I'm the worst that Jesus Christ cares about them you want to double triple quadruple the size of this room you want to grow Midtown West bigger than 12 South on the other side Tell them this. Tell them that Jesus really does love them. Now, tell them that Jesus really does care about them, that their suffering has a bottom, that their addiction has a bottom, uh, that their pursuit of excellence has a bottom. That it finds its death and its end in the person of Jesus that what their heart really wants with every sexual conquest and every financial conquest what they really want is for Jesus Christ to look them in the face and says and say, "Well done, my good and faithful servant tell them that Jesus cares about justice more than they ever could that Jesus isn't okay with Uh, with the racial injustice that Jesus isn't okay with economic injustice that Jesus isn't okay with the idolatry either don't be mad at the church right sure we got it wrong Jesus doesn't like that either tell them that and watch this room grow watch this room explode tell them they're invited to come out of hiding and to plumb the depths of their own story That they don't have to be afraid anymore. Yes, yes, abuse has happened to us. And we don't make light of that in the Christian story. We actually walk deeper into it with Jesus, who makes sense of it, who hates it, and who died for it. And who tells us that we're not damaged goods. Who tells us that we're not unwanted. You want to see Nashville change, we tell them this. This is what we encourage with as paul says and friends this isn't some like live like you were dying tim mcgraw hallmark movie this isn't hey go leave this door and and like go check everything off your bucket list Uh, like because jesus is coming back next tuesday how are you going to live it's not what he's saying but we do live with an eye toward that fact and toward that truth uh, that jesus is coming because we know this The resurrected body of Jesus, the empty tomb that sits over in Israel proves this, that Jesus Christ keeps his promises, uh, that Jesus Christ has not forgotten about you, that God has not forgotten about you, uh, and that we can encourage one another with the truth that even as we are facing death every day, we do so with an eye toward Jesus that we don't know what he's doing, but our eyes are on you. That should be the great comfort uh, of our souls. Let's pray together. Father God, death, uh, death does not have the final say. What a strange, God! What a strange thing to pray. That death doesn't have the final say. Uh, that in your son Jesus we see the death of death. Um, this great enemy uh, that has that has come for all of us. Jesus, you defeated it. And we don't know what that means. Uh, but our eyes are on you. Uh, we trust you, uh, the one who has authored and finished and perfected our faith um, and as we continue in singing fill our lungs with air of gratitude uh, that we would sing back to you uh, of this great mercy that you've given us uh, you are good to us and it's in your name we do pray amen